So, you know, today I was, um, I was praying about uh, what to speak. And I actually felt to speak from my heart. I don't normally, um, I don't normally throw away the notes. Um, so we're going to do a bit of a different version to what I prepared. Rachel, good luck to you. Just keep up with me. Um, Greg's laughing. But God's good, isn't he? And I think we have to get a hold of what, what's happening today, what's happened this weekend for our church. And for those of you that might not belong to our community, we've got a simple goal here. We, we want to see people love God and love one another. That's what we want to do. We want to see every generation in our church doing life together. I, I loved uh, that uh, today, even looking at the stage, uh, seeing Bronwyn, uh, seeing Talisha, seeing Charles, all of these guys on the stage singing together. They're in three different places in life, but yet they're united through their love for Christ. You know, I look at the waters of baptism and I get so excited. If this isn't why we exist, then we're not paying attention to the Word of God, are we? We know that in the Great Commission, that's what Jesus asked us to do. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I command. This is what happened today. I get so excited about the fact that this year we've had already more baptisms than we've ever had in a year in the life of our church. How good is that? It's so amazing. And God gets all the glory because I know we're making up for lost time. But I'm believing that it's going to continue. I'm believing people are going to continue to fall more and more in love with Jesus. You know, when we talk about baptism, we, we know it's not just simply walking down into the water. We know it's more than that. It, 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 Greg preached a, at the last baptism service how it actually means you're declaring in the spiritual realm, my allegiance is with Jesus. That's who I am picking to serve. I am choosing to be on his team and I am going to live for him. So when people go down into that water, once again, I'm so inspired because our goal is to love one another and love God. And today we saw a father baptize his sons and me included. We saw a friend baptize a friend. We saw parents look at their children. We saw children look at their parents being baptized. That's what we saw today. Generations coming together to focus on loving Jesus and growing closer to Him. That's what it's all about. I look at the Scripture when I think of Philippians 1.21 when Paul is writing, For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. You know, in the New Living Translation, I love the paraphrase or the difference that they, they choose. They so for me to live, if I'm living, I'm living for Jesus. And to die is even better. Because what he's saying is while we've got air in our lungs, while we have air breathing in and out, let's use it to honor Jesus. And one day when that air stops coming in, it's even better. Why? Because we're in his glory. We're before the fullness of Jesus in heaven. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And as I looked at our community, 
today with visitors and family and friends and those that constantly come here and are a part of this, I was really stirred in my spirit to focus in on that we all play a role. We all play a role, whether it's in encouraging somebody, whether it's in personally discipling somebody, whether it is for praying for somebody who's unwell, dropping off a meal. We all play a role in someone's journey. There are people that got baptized today that didn't get saved here in regards to responding to the gospel and inviting Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. But as part of their journey, they were baptized here. But there are people that were saved in this house that also got baptized today. You see, there are different journeys that people go on, but eventually they'll come together under the plan of God. And if God has brought you into their life for a season, you get to walk with them. What an honor, what a privilege it is to be sitting next to who you're sitting next to today. You know, whether they are one you're trying to sit next to more often, maybe this section. Or maybe like my family, getting as far apart as you possibly can. Too big. Stop counting, Dan. We come together and everybody plays a role. You know, when I begin to think about our church and our community uh, and the health that we have post a, a, a scenario and a season where a lot of churches and a lot of communities become further and further apart. It seems to be that we've come back with, with a greater desire to love one another. It's been incredible to see, see the hosting team with new people coming in and, and, and communities coming back. The coffee team, has anybody noticed they have been on a recruitment drive lately? If you buy a coffee, you get asked if you want to serve in the coffee ministry. So if you don't want to, just get someone else to buy it for you and you'll be sweet. But the whole thing that's unfolding, that's blessing me, is we're realizing that as a community we come together. It's not about coffee. It's about encouraging people to stay behind afterwards where they connect. It's not about just babysitting the, the army of children that went upstairs today, but rather seeing them encounter the love of Jesus and have it their entire life grow. So there are different people playing different roles. You may not be up there serving in the kids' ministry, but maybe you're a grandparent that picks your grandchildren up to bring them to church. You're playing a role. Maybe it's that encouragement that makes that person that's new feel like they can be comfortable and welcome here. You're playing a role. So today I want to I quickly look at uh, Acts chapter 8. If you want to turn in your Bibles there. And I want to look at Philip, uh, an example of a guy who is on a journey. And, and, and I see some observations there that I hope will help us grow in our personal walk with Jesus as we pursue him together. Because the goal is not simply religion. I don't want to provide religion. I want to be part of a community that desperately wants to encounter the move of the Holy Spirit. I want to be part of a community that desperately wants to love people outside of the walls of this church and see them come to know the love of Jesus. We want to be part of a community that effectively lives for those that are not part of it yet because in the Great Commission, Jesus said to go and reach them so that one day they could get to this point. I would love that this somehow became a permanent fixture of what we needed to do. Because the structure of 
a Sunday I don't hold to. But the principles of loving one another, encountering the Holy Spirit, learning from His Word, seeing people saved, encountering the Holy Spirit baptized is what we want to be a part of. That's what we need to hold to as a community. So in Acts chapter 8, I love the book of Acts. The scenario that has gone down in the previous chapters is that we know the Holy Spirit has come. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we, we love that in, in, in the movements that we connect with, that the Holy Spirit has moved upon the believers. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They've spoken in tongues. And, and there's been beautiful things that have happened. But now as we're getting closer to chapter 8, the church has been persecuted and scattered. And the scattering was a positive thing because what happened is it moved everybody onto mission. Everybody is now from, from, from being held in Jerusalem uh, to now being spread out across the world. Because we know in Acts 1.8 it said that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So what happens in chapter 8 with the scattering of the believers is they are being sent out into the world. And Philip is a guy that we're going to focus in on. Philip has a God encounter with a very influential uh, African person, a eunuch. He sees him baptized. But out of that, I think there are things that we can, we can take a hold of today to help us. As we try to love one another better, as we try to live for Jesus in a way that makes him proud, in a way that sees us growing closer and more mature as believers. So let's go to verse chapter 8. I'll just flick to it in my Bible. I know where it is, I promise I'm getting there. All right, chapter 8. So we see there, if you're reading from the NIV translation, it, it might come... I've got to remember, we need to make the words a bit bigger. Apologies. Seeing a lot of squinting, but if you have your Bible, read along with me. So what we do is we look at verse 8, and, and in my uh, NIV translation, it says the church persecuted and scattered. So we're going to read just a few verses from there, and then we're going to jump down to the story where Philip uh, encounters the, the eunuch. But it says this, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now Philip comes into the story. Philip, it says this. Those that had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed... The Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip, they saw sign and the signs he performed. They all played close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out. See how I did that? I don't know why I did that. Came up with the shrieks. Came out and many, many paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now what we're going to do is we're going to jump down to 26 in a minute. Let me set the context up. They've been scattered. Now that they've been scattered... Philip has been called elsewhere. But there's a bit of temptation, I think, going on here. Hey, because he's gone to a town and something fruitful has begun to happen, has begun to happen. It says there that there's such great joy in that city because of what God is doing through Philip. 
And how much of it would it be in your life if you're a part of something fruitful and something's going really well and then potentially God calls you somewhere else? Would that be hard? Give me a wave. Is there anyone honest in this room? It's like you get a really, really good job, really good job, and then God says, I want you to do something else. But it's so fruitful here. But what we learn quickly in the Scripture is that's not Philip's heart. He's obedient. He's ready to go. He's excited. And what you want to see is that as Luke, the writer of Acts, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, in verse 26, he wants us to know something. He wants us to know that there is a divine appointment that's been set up by God. There's a divine appointment that's been set up. And that's what we're going to look at now as we read from verse 26. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Now, why does, why does Luke write that? Why, why is that in the text? Because the Holy Spirit, as he's inspiring Luke, wants us to know that God is sending Philip. So it's a call of God. And he says to him, go south to the road, the desert road. A lot of uh, commentators are talking about the desert road really could have painted like, that's a bad idea. Why do you want to go a desert road? You know what I mean? That's like somewhere between Mernda and Doreen. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like it's a desert road. Or should I go past Doreen? Maybe somewhere between Doreen, Whittlesea or Whittlesea, King Lake or anywhere that works for the picture in your head. Um, and what's happening? is he's on that journey. So it says, go down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So in verse 27, so he started out. So he started out. God has said something and Philip has instantly got on mission. And on his way, to meet, on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kadak, uh, which means queen of Ethiopians. So he's doing royal treasury work. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. That's a whole other thing about a, an African worshipping in Jerusalem in that stage. We won't go there. And on his way, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard a man reading from Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. Has anybody ever read the Bible and felt that themselves? Felt that I'm up here, hallelujah. And uh, he says, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip in to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of this descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water like what we saw today, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your word. Father, speak to us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So I was thinking about this and uh, as I pondered and I, and I looked at Philip and, and like I set up the context before of that, he's, he's doing something fruitful. But there is a God moment that's about to unfold. Like if we think about this, Philip's been in Jerusalem. He's now gone to a fruitful ministry in Samaria. And now God says, go down a certain road, knowing he was going to meet somebody influential from an African nation. So the miracle that's unfolding between, because of his obedience is that when the Holy Spirit had come upon him, he was in Jerusalem and now he's ended up in Samaria. And now he's getting an opportunity to see somebody who's of influence take the gospel to the ends of the earth, starting with Africa. Isn't that an incredible moment that's happening? But when God called him to go down a certain road with a specific instruction, I love that it says in the scripture at the start of verse 7, so he started out. I've been pondering the best way to articulate this thought. Uh, and, and the best way that I could come up with is simply that obedience is better activated than contemplated. If you think about it, is it really obedience? You know, I, I remember, I'm picking on my family, but they're here today. I remember when myself and my big brother were young and mum would go to work or dad would go to work and they'd say, hey, make sure the dishes are done before you get home. Has any child ever had that in their life before? And what would happen is we'd have a wonderful day together. He's my brother. He's my best mate. And we'd be doing life and then all of a sudden we'd hear a car pull into the driveway with no dishes done. So you'd run and you'd panic like you were in process getting it done. Now let me bring that back into obedience is better activated than contemplated. If mum had to come in and said, why didn't you do the dishes? And I said to her, well, I was thinking about it. I was, I was praying for the right season. I don't know whether I feel called to dishes. So I'm going to let it settle for a little while so that there's clarity. Obedience works better when it's activated. Hey, I need you to go down a desert road. A road that's between here and Gaza, a place that not many people will understand, but I'm calling you because there is a significant divine appointment. And what do we learn from Philip? When God told him, it says, so he went. Can we be people? I, I, I'm going I'm to set a culture in our community right now. I would prefer things flop and you have a try than not do anything and contemplate ourselves and our way to nothing. I want to see the world change for Jesus. It means that we may need to activate our obedience. Can we be praying for Hope Tour Queensland? This is an example within our church. And I'll tell you why. Uh, they are on the cusp of having enough schools for us to do the tour there. It's about a month away. But you know what I've done in faith? I've booked the axe. We've set the program. You know, it is believing that, you know, first year is hard. First year, we, we've all been there. It was the roughest gig ever. And as soon as I could, I flicked that burden to Jordan. Praise the Lord. Can we quickly pray for Hope Tour? Because you know what they've done? They've said, book it in. We want it. We believe it's God telling us to do it. We don't know how it's going to unfold, but we're going to activate our obedience instead of thinking about, well, here's all the things we don't have. 
but rather they're taking a step of faith. And can we also be praying, because I think this is, could be significant for the future. Uh, for those of you that may not know, Hope Tours is a schools program that we do at our church. Uh, it's something that was birthed out of our community where we go and we do a schools program that encourages young people. Uh, since its beginning in 2015, we've lost count, but somewhere between the 50 and 75,000 students have been a part of the program. Uh, it's been incredible. But I started, when I first encountered a tour like this, it was, I went to New Zealand. And New Zealand do a tour very similar, but it built up to they were seeing around 100,000 students in a few weeks. Now that guy that oversaw that program that inspired me, that God used to speak to me, has become a minister in our movement in Australia, in Perth, and he wants to have Hope Tour in Perth. So that means the guy that took it to a whole nother level now wants to be a part of what God is using us to do. But that's important for the next season. You know what I'm praying for now? Hope Tour Queensland. There's some young people that need encouragement right now. So let's quickly pray. Father, we just ask uh, that you would assist uh, Pastor Kim and Pastor Brad and the team as they approach schools. Father, we've got no strings attached. We want to love the community. We want to love people the way you love us. And Father, if that means walking alongside, Lord God, help us to do that. So we pray that you would move. Let the miracle that is Hope Tour continue to happen with your grace and mercy upon it. And Lord, we pray uh, that there would be uh, the minimum we need, Father, and beyond because you're faithful. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said in faith, amen. amen. Activate your faith. So what does that look like in your life? Is there somebody here that you need to have a conversation with at work that needs encouragement? Maybe even stepping out in faith suggesting, would you like me to pray for you? Do you know, there's a person in our community, uh, I'm not going to share the name, we, we watched some concepts at our national conference about a Bible induction method where you begin to share uh, the word and read the word together with people that may not necessarily be Christians. And I got so excited and so fired up about that. That's an opportunity just to ask somebody to read the Bible with you and talk to them about it. Well, somebody in our community has done that this week with their neighbor who is a Muslim. Isn't that phenomenal? It's an active step of faith. What, what can you do in your world to activate your faith, to keep it alive? Faith without works isn't, is not alive. So why don't you take a step of faith? What does that mean in your context? If you're at school, if you're in the workplace, if you're at a university, what is the context of, hey, God, you're asking me to do something that actually makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm going to not just think about it, I'm going to activate it because I think it's important. How do you play your role within the community as we do that together? Just encourage steps of faith in other people. You know, that person, be encouraged that you are, you are sharing the gospel with your neighbor. That's amazing. And we should champion things like that because it's important. But as, a, as the, this illustration goes on in the word in Acts, uh, the, the next thing that I looked at is that Philip is running along. And there's a guy there, he's reading scripture. And as a community with different generations coming together, somebody comes alongside him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I know unless somebody helps me? How can I know? Can we be a culture where we walk alongside those that may be not as mature as you in the faith, 
because maybe God has given you the answers that they need through your experience and your walk with Jesus Christ. Can we do that with one another? We get so busy in our society running for ourselves, we forget that God actually calls us to run for others. Who are you walking alongside? Who has God brought you alongside? Because if you think about this, I would have assumed if God had sent me to a town that the moment and the divine appointment would happen in the town, not in the commute. But as you journey on life together, we need to be sensitive to seeing the God appointments that God sets up for us and activate it. You know, I return to, to another hope tour thought. We're in, we're in the throes of that at the moment. And I remember the first year, it was awful. I, I, it was just so bad. I know I've shared this story, but the first night rally, uh, we set off the fire alarms and multiple trucks came. And I didn't even know that the fire trucks had arrived because I was in a back room crying. It was horrible. It was just like all the money that we gave the Lord in an offering and no kids really came. I remember thinking, this is hard, was a question I had. My God, why is this so hard? And then the next day, I get called by that local minister who I've known my whole life, who, who gave me the love sandwich but forgot the love on either side. You know, those friends. And they call it strong leadership. I'm just like, it's painful. And I was deflated. And I was sitting there, and I, and I think of this eunuch who has such a passion and a desire. He's an African uh, person who has gone to Jerusalem to worship. And he's coming home, so clearly there's a passion and there's a desire for God. But yet he's reading this scripture, and he's like, I have no idea what's going on here. How am I even going to figure this out unless somebody comes alongside me? I remember in my deflated place, my pastor, Pastor Nick, gives me a call. And it was like a, it was like a pump, just kept instilling faith. You know, what you're doing is you're breaking new ground. It's never easy. It's not hard. And I'm like, why is this so hard? He goes, because God never said it would be easy. So what happened is on his journey, there was a principle that because of where I was at in my journey, I, I admitted to remember, yeah, this isn't meant to be all roses and, and skipping. You know, it's going to be hard. But because there was somebody willing to walk alongside me with greater wisdom, it strengthened me in that moment. The eunuch says, hey, come into this chariot. And Philip gets the opportunity to share with him the revelation that is Jesus Christ in the scripture. Can we walk alongside one another? Community together as we watch people be baptized. Let's do it as a family. They're going to be people that are walking through tough seasons of life with hard questions and things that have, have in the past or even in the present hurt them. You don't have to have all the answers, but you may have a perspective that they don't have. Activate it. Who are you walking with? Who are you asking the question? And I mean now this specifically around the word. Do you understand what you're reading? Find somebody to read the Bible with. A process that we're forgetting as a Western church is that let's, let's base the relationship of, hey, why don't we read the word together? That's a great way to build a relationship. 
And then in closing, and Teagues might get you to join me. I won't hold us up. They're traveling along the road. And they see a body of water. And the eunuch says, what stops me from being baptized right now? Now I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But Philip says, I won't stop you. Can we be a community that doesn't create obstacles, but rather we create opportunities? Once again, I don't want to call people out and I'm not going to use a name, but I want to give you an example of a person that removed obstacles to create opportunities. First of all, can we celebrate the fact that on Friday night, there was a response to the gospel. We, we had a, a young person come to know Jesus. So we're seeing people saved. We're seeing people baptized. But that team are incredible. They, they are, a lot of them, in fact, all of them are either studying full-time and working or working full-time. And then on a Friday night where people my age and above are exhausted, they're giving themselves away for young people. They're giving themselves away. But on Friday night, what happened is because the team are incredible and they're working full time and sometimes people get delayed and sometimes things happen, there was another person in our community that decided, I don't go to the youth ministry, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to rock up early for them. I'm going to help set up the room for them. So when the leaders arrive, they just have to focus on the young people. I'll do the majority of the work. Then this person left before the team had arrived. So in this culture, what stops me from being baptised? And Philip says, no, no, no. It says here in the Scripture, they then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and were baptised. Philip said, I'm with you. I'm not going to create an obstacle. You know, he's not going to have the modern conversation. Oh, don't you want to wait for a time when your family are present? Or, or you know, we'll do it on Sunday. It'll be a bit awkward in a random body of water. What if people are coming past and we want to be an example? No creates no obstacles but helps people walk in opportunities see what happened is that person that came to help do the setup they are as much a part of that person responding to the gospel as the team and the person that invited the person and the person that made that person feel safe enough to be able to respond to Jesus it's the community working together to create opportunities not create obstacles you know everything we do here everything we want to be as people is that we want to remove obstacles that would stop people encountering the love of Jesus and create as many opportunities as possible so when the statement comes up what could stop me taking the next step in my process of walking with Jesus let us be a community that says not only will I not stop you, but I will help you. I'll walk with you. So let's stand and pray. I know our time is done.